0: or our family, or our spouse, and, and we know, man, I want my relationships to get better, I want to be more loving, or more helpful, I want to be more patient, or I, I just know things are kind of stale right now, and I want to have more joy in my relationships, I want deeper relationships. Maybe you think about it relationally when you think about growing, or, or maybe you think about it emotionally, just kind of your emotional life, your mental life of, of peace instead of anxiety, or... Instead of kind of needing to control everything and grip everything, kind of a freedom that's able to let things go or, or deeper joy, even as uh, we, we talked about up here. Uh, it, could, it could be all sorts of things, just emotionally. Maybe you struggle with anger and you want to have a deeper sense of calm and being able to have peace re- relationally or just with the, with the traffic or whatever it is. You, you, there's different ways that we want to grow. Maybe you just think you want deeper faith if you're a Christian. Maybe you are just think, I want to be closer to God. I, w- I want to have a closer relationship with God. So whatever the thing is, I do think we all want to grow. But sometimes when we look at our life, we don't know why we're not growing. We look at our life and we see what's there and it's kind of the same. And we're not sure why we don't grow or maybe we don't know how. To grow, or, or maybe it's simply that we know we should grow, but we don't have the motivation, we don't have the desire, we know we should care about things getting better relationally, about things getting better with God, but we don't care as much. But kind of like I said in the beginning, what if there is more? Wherever you are right now, wherever you are with God, wherever you are relationally, wherever you are, what if there is more? What if you can grow? What if whatever area, whatever thing, whatever issue, I think a lot of times we kind of say, especially, you know, maybe you become, you turn 30 or you turn 40 or whatever it is, and you kind of, you're like, okay, this is kind of what life is. This is it now. This is who I am. These are the things I struggle with. This is what my relationships are going to look like. This is what my marriage is going to look like. This is what family life is going to look like. This is what my kind of role in the world is going to look like. And we kind of just say, okay, this is kind of it what if there is more? What if this is just the beginning? And God actually does want to help us experience growth. Jesus tells a story that we're going to look at today. It's a famous story. Probably if you've grown up in the church, and I know probably several of you have not, but if you've grown up in the church, you've heard this story, you know this story, but it's a really important story. And it helps us to see the things that can keep us from growing from experiencing what God has for us. It helps us to see how to receive the growth that God wants to do in us. And it helps us to see what happens. And so I'm gonna read this story. It is the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils. And since it's a story, I wanna give you a lot of good uh, you know, story pictures. This is the story that Jesus tells and then we'll look at his interpretation of it piece by piece. Here's the story. Luke 8, as a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from every town. So the the beginning of that story is just to try to tell you a lot of people are coming to Jesus. Every town, lots of people, and you see all of these people and when God looks at them he's going to say, there's some things that are going to keep you from what God wants to do in your life and there's a way you can receive what God wants to do in your life and there's some results that can happen. Here's the story. He said in a parable, a sower went out to sow, as sowers do, a sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock. When it grew up, it withered away since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground. When it grew up, it produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. As he said this, he called out, Let anyone who has ears to hear listen. Then his disciples asked him, What does this parable mean? So he said, The secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know. But to the rest, it is in parables, so that looking they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. He's quoting from the Old Testament there. And really, this section is just to say that those that want to listen to Jesus, those that want to hear from Jesus, truly are going to be able to receive, and those that are just not really ready to hear from Jesus or just kind of interested in other things, it's still going to be hard for them to understand. Let's start with this. What keeps us from experiencing the life God has for us? And here's what I want you to do as you listen today. What I want you to do is try to find yourself in the story. Jesus is telling this parable, and there's four different groups of people. I want you to try to find yourself in the story. Maybe, maybe you're not a Christian today. Maybe you're kind of interested. You're exploring Christianity. You're exploring Jesus. You're exploring faith. And Jesus would say there are some things that may keep you from what God wants for you initially, as you're even here today. I mean, the context of this is in listening to God's word. So even here today, there may be some things that keep you from listening to what God has for you. But I also think it's true that there's tendencies that we have in us. Even after you are a Christian, there's tendencies in us that may keep us from the things that God wants to do in our life. So I want you to try to, don't, don't listen to this for your friend. Don't say, oh man, my friend really needs to hear this. Try, try to go, where, where am I? Where does Jesus want me to find myself in this story what keeps us from experiencing the life that god has for us the first thing the first thing is that in the interpretation here's what he says this is the meaning of the parable the first group the seed is the word of god and when it and when and when 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 the bible in the new testament especially talks about the word of god it doesn't just mean the bible because this the new testament wasn't written yet as Jesus is speaking. The word of God is the gospel. It is the good news that Jesus himself spoke. The good news of the kingdom, as Jesus said there. The good news of what God has come to do in and through Jesus. That is the word of God. The seed along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So here's the first group the first group, Jesus says, what happens is the seed is taken. The seed is taken. That the seed is sown along a hard path and a seed is taken by Satan. So what does this mean? Here's what it means. There is a real enemy working against you. And I know we don't think about Satan a lot and it's, you know, it's kind of spooky and maybe you're, very modern person and you don't believe in such things like that or maybe you are christian still but we we don't really think of satan that much what is satan's strategy if you watch horror movies or you watch kind of weird spooky things or you've seen them in the past most of the time we think satan he really is in the business of twisting heads around and vomit and and like making houses have faces in the walls or like that's satan's that's what he likes to do We're coming up on Halloween. That's what Satan likes. He likes weird, freaky faces. That's the kind of stuff he likes. But what Jesus says here is what Satan is in the business of doing is is trying to get you not to believe the gospel. What Satan is in the business of doing is trying to take the word of God, the gospel, the good news. We looked at this last week if you were here. All the amazing things that God has done for us in Jesus that he has chosen us, adopted us, redeemed us, that we've received an inheritance in him, that we've been made alive, that he's forgiven us, he's brought, uh, he's, he has seated us with him, that all this good stuff, God's love towards us, what Satan is in the business of doing, is taking that away from our hearts. I mean, the effects of a spinning head or a freaky haunted house might give you a nightmare. But if Satan can take the gospel and the effects of you receiving deeper into your bones, deeper into your heart, God's love, his salvation, if he can pluck that away, the effects of that are massive. He doesn't want us to believe the gospel. That is his strategy. Every time the Bible is opened, including now, every time The Bible is open, and the word of God, the gospel, who Jesus is and what he has come to do for you. Every time the Bible is opened, the battle is opened. Every time that the Bible is opened, Satan's job, what he wants to do is to say, I don't want that gospel to get into your hearts and be planted there and have effects because he knows what it can do. He knows what happens if the gospel gets down into your hearts. And so every time that happens, he says, I've got a strategy, and I don't want that to take place. How does that happen? Well, what Jesus says is that the path is hard. It's sown along the path. And if you think about a path, a path is hard ground, even as in the picture. The path is hard ground the way that Satan is able to snatch up that seed, that doesn't happen to somebody that's saying, God, I'm here, I love you, I wanna hear from you. That happens when our hearts are hard. And our hearts can be hard in a lot of different ways. Our hearts can be hard because we are actually resistant to God. Our hearts can be hard because we are hostile to God. And, And maybe you're here today and that is true of you. Someone may have brought you to church. Maybe you're here just because. Maybe you're here even to be skeptical and to, and to see what is wrong. But when our hearts are hard, the seed can't get in. And instead, Satan can pluck it out. Our hearts are hard when we have a judgmental posture. And I don't mean towards others. I mean to God's word. That even maybe perhaps right now, that the posture that we enter in with is when is this gonna be over? Or skeptical, or cynical, or trying to find what's wrong instead of receptive. Maybe it's just our hearts are hard because they're indifferent, they don't really care. Listen, anything, if you think about your heart, anything that there's a layer here that's keeping, maybe it's just distractions. Maybe even as you come to church, I remember a friend back when I was a, Before true life, there was a friend I knew that during church, two birds with one stone, they would be working on their grocery list and working on what they had to do the rest of that day. And Maybe it's just the distractions. Anything that is creating a layer, a barrier, whether that's judgmentalism or it's cynicism or it's skepticism or it's indifference or it's hostility or it's distraction, anything that is creating a layer, a guard, a barrier, Then the seed sits on that barrier and Satan's able to quickly pluck it away. I mean, I guess another question to even just ask yourself is Does your heart have a guard even now? Does your heart have a guard? Or, as it says in the parable, anything that happens here, does it always feel like it's instantly gone? That, that's what Jesus said happens as Satan comes and takes it away. Does it feel like whatever you experience here, whatever songs we sing, whatever sermon, maybe even in the moment you're kind of like, okay, but then it's instantly gone. Maybe you don't remember it. Maybe it has no effect on you. Maybe that's because there's a barrier. There's a guard. And it's really easy for Satan to pluck it away. That's the first thing. What keeps us from experiencing the life that God has for us? There'll be three T's to help you. The first is that it can be taken. The first is that it can be taken, but the second is that it can be tested. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. Different. They receive the word with joy, having no root. These believe for a while. Different from the snatching immediately having no root, these believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. He says it falls into this rocky soil. falls into a rocky soil, and obviously you would know that a rocky soil doesn't Uh, produce good plants and there's, there's not deep roots because there's rocks. And so when it starts to sprout, when it starts to get up, the sun is able to just melt it. The trials, the testing is able to just kill it because there's not deep roots in it. In Colorado, this happens to everybody unless you have a million dollar sprinkler system. What happens, he says, is they receive it with joy. Think about that. One of the groups that Jesus wants to address, one of the groups of people, he says, you know, what can, you know what can keep you from receiving what God wants to do in your life? Maybe you find yourself here as somebody that listens and receives it with joy. Maybe you come to a sermon and you go, oh, I, I receive it with joy. You listen to the music, you receive it with joy. You read a book, a devotional, you receive it with joy. You go to community group, you receive it with joy. You have a conversation with a friend, you receive it with joy and things happen in your heart. You actually feel it. There's an emotional response that takes place for a little while. They believe for a little while. They receive it with joy and then they're tested. Trials come. Things happen. Sun comes. Heat comes that makes it difficult to hang on to. Loss happens in your life. You listen. You hear about God's love for you. You hear about God's faithfulness for you. You lose a job. What you received with joy, when it's tested, withers. You're trying to get pregnant, and it's not happening. You struggle with infertility, miscarriage. You have a, a friend or close family member that dies, and you received God's love and his care and his providence, and you, re- you heard that, you received it with joy, but the suffering of life takes it away. The difficulty of life tests it, takes it. Maybe it's even just I think about this, even during this season, that at Sundays have gotten harder. It's harder, we have technical difficulties, it's harder to watch online, it's harder to, when we were meeting outside, literally the sun was coming and taking it away, right? It's burning up any good that God was trying to do in your heart. Maybe just as Sundays get harder, that's a trial. It's a trial to, to continue to receive God's word with joy when things get harder, whether that's personally or as a church. Maybe it's other people's opinions you receive God's word with joy, but then when other people start to question you, when other people start to ask you, when it's embarrassing to hold your faith and your conviction, whether it's school or work or wherever that may be, maybe the trials are obedience trials, that you receive God's word with joy, but then when God says, I need you to obey in this area, maybe that's with money, time, sex, all sorts of things. I need you to obey, but when that trial is there, when that testing is there, what you received with joy dies out. How? Because there was no roots, he said, which means feeling good, the joy, feeling good brought you in, and feeling bad takes you away. If it feels good, if faith, if Christianity, if Sundays, if God, if if whatever it inspires you, it, it feels nice, the benefits, if it feels good, you're there. But when it starts to feel bad, Jesus says, they fall away. Because what was that, what faith really was, is the benefits, not a central thing, not a deep rooted thing. So here's the question. What have the tests of your life revealed? What have the tests of your life revealed? Have the tests revealed that whether it's up or down, you are constant? Have the tests revealed that there's certain things that take away your trust in God, your love, your belief? Here's one other way to think about the question What excitement? or joy in God and in Christianity and faith and community? What? When is the last time you felt some sense of ah joy, inspiration? This is awesome. This is who God is. This is what God is calling me to be. This is what is possible. When is the last time, and has that faded? Did it last for just a, a bit? Kind of like New Year's resolutions, right? Where you're all fired up and here we go. And then, the gyms are empty again in a month? When's the last time that you experienced some joy in hearing who God is and what he's done and the gospel and, and did it make any change? Or did it eventually burn up? That's the second group that Jesus gives to us to reflect upon. And then third, some are taken, some are tested, and some are tangled says, as for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and pleasures of life and produce no mature fruit. That the seed is planted. This, this group is really interesting to me because what happens is they hear the word, they receive it, And they do not reject it. The first group, it's taken away from them. So it's gone. The word's gone. The second group, they receive the word for a while. But then again, with the tests, it's gone. But this group never rejects it. The seed never is kicked off. It never goes away. The seed is never burnt by the sun with the the trials that come. Instead, what happens? Instead, what happens is they think that they are fine. They would say, if you were to ask this plant, I'm still a plant. Or these people would say, I still believe. I still believe. I haven't ever rejected the seed. I haven't ever rejected what God's voice has said. I've never rejected the gospel. I've never fallen away. Trials haven't pushed me out. My life is actually going pretty good. They would say, they've never rejected. They would believe that they are fine. But Jesus says worries about this life, and riches and pleasures choke it out. What are you worried about right now in your life? What what concern about money is in your life right now? Maybe it's things that you want to spend money on, maybe it's savings, Maybe it's worried about your money. Maybe it's just trying to build your money through promotion and through investment or whatever it might be. Concerns about riches. What do you enjoy in your life right now? What are the pleasures in your life right now? Colorado is a place full of pleasure. There's all sorts of great things to do and be a part of. What what are the pleasures in your life right now? See, what's interesting about this part of the parable is it's good things mainly. Wealth and pleasures of life. What he says can happen is that even if the seed is not rejected, it's choked out. It takes time. It takes time, but the plant begins, the plant is growing and it's not, this is, this is so important, it's not subtraction. It's not that the seed is taken away that kills this. It's not subtraction, it's addition. Like, I don't, I don't know about you, but um, we've got uh, this one kind of cabinet in our house, and that's where board games are kept. And there's a board game in there that we used to play a lot, and it's kind of at the bottom of the stack because we've gotten other games and then my kids have gotten other gifts like slime and all these things from, for Christmas and grandparents. And then it's also where we keep extra food from Costco because that doesn't fit in you know, anywhere because it's from Costco. So that's where that goes. And then with school at home, there's some school supplies in there. And if you asked me, do you have that board game? I would say, yes, of course I have it. I've never gotten rid of it. I've never gotten that out of my life. Nothing has ever challenged me to get rid of it. Satan has never taken it away from me. But what has happened is addition has crowded it out that it's hard even to get to. It's not subtraction, it's addition. Same thing in in our yard. We've planted grass, we've filled it up with grass seed and we've never gone in there and plucked out the grass. We've never said, forget it, we don't like grass anymore. But what has happened is that weeds have grown up and eventually over time, the weeds have taken over and choked out the grass. And what Jesus is saying is this, so important. You may feel, I've never rejected God's word. I've never pushed it out. I've never subtracted it from my life. And yet, one of the greatest dangers is the pleasures, the riches, the things that you're worried about. Those things have a tendency to crowd Jesus out of your life, even if you never think that you're actively removing him. We don't notice it, but he's crowded out. Here's the question. What's really filling your life? If you were to look at your life, is it filled with pleasure and worry and, and concerns about money and pursuit of money and time spent making money? Or is it filled with the word of God? What is really filling your life? life. In the book, The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, uh, if you've never read that, it's kind of an older demon writing to a younger demon. It's fictional, perhaps. And he's writing, uh, he, he says this, the demon says, prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it while really it is finding its place in him. His increasing reputation, his widening circle of acquaintances, his sense of importance, the growing pressure of absorbing and agreeable work build up in him a sense of being really at home in earth, which is just what we want. What begins to happen is that God, that Jesus, that the good news is crowded out, choked out. These are the three groups. The seed comes and it can be taken, it can be tested, it can be tangled. God wants something for you. He wants something for us, but he knows that a lot can keep us from that. God knows that even though he desires good for us, that he wants to bring his word to us, that it's actually easy. It's easy for it to be missed. If you think even Jesus lists out four groups and 75% miss out on what God wants to do in their life. So how do we receive the life that God has for us? This is what keeps us from it. But how do we receive the life that God has for us? How do we receive what God wants to do? Because it's the same word spoken. Even listen right now, the same word is being spoken to all of you, but we can hear differently. We can have different responses. So how do we receive what God wants to do? Here's what Jesus said but the seed in the good ground these are the ones who having heard the word with an honest and good heart hold on to it and by enduring produce fruit so jesus gives to us a couple ways that we receive what it is that god wants to do listen hearing which is what we're all doing right now hearing is deceptive we think that something is happening just because we are hearing. But it depends how you hear. It depends how you take in God's word. You can have a hard heart. You can receive it with joy because it feels good. It can get tangled up later. It depends how we hear. And he says, the good soil is those with a good and honest heart, which is talking about the quality of our hearts, our heart's posture. Listen, what is good soil? Good soil, I don't know, some of you maybe garden like, like we do, but good soil is soil that is open. So even you may have someone come and, and aerate the lawn, which is to open it up, which is uh, in contrast to the hard path, which is closed, right? That good soil is light, it's fluffy, it's open. That's what good soil is. That's what a good heart is. When we planted our garden this year, because we didn't plant it last year, it had gotten hard. This is me. Uh, and we had to, uh, we had to, I have rented this rototiller and had, and you can see there's even grass growing there over our, our uh, lawn. And they had accidentally uh, planted seed there the year before. Uh, and I, this thing, you know, if you've ever used one, it just goes into the ground and tears it up it takes all the hard soil to open it up because good soil is soil that is open it's a in Jesus' words a heart that is open so if we want to receive if we want to receive what God has for us it starts with a heart posture of openness where is your heart when listening to God's word is it just a ritual are you here today because you're a Christian and this is your church and it's kind of just what you're supposed to do? Is it just a ritual? You're here and you're doing it and there we go, one hour on Sunday's the end. Is, it, is your heart right now to just kind of assess and decide, okay, what parts do I like? What parts do I not like? How good is that sermon? That squeaky floor is kind of bothering me. How's the lighting? Is your heart to kind of assess Sometimes in conversations, people say something like, hey, are you even present right now? Even if you're in the room, are you present? Are you, are you with me? Or where, where'd you just go? Sometimes people say that. Where, where'd you go? You know, it seems like you kind of just kind of fogged out, blanked out. Where, where'd you go? Right now. Jesus says it's the heart posture. Is the heart open? Is it soft soil open soil are you saying to god as you come in here is your heart posture as you read the bible as you go to community group as you read a book as you are here for a sermon do you, is your heart posture god i want to listen to your voice my heart is open to you i want to hear from you god I want to know you. See, all of that you can see is an openness. Is your posture when you're here just kind of like this and like this? And I'm not, if anyone is sitting like this right now, I don't even know, so it's fine. Don't, I mean, it's, maybe it's just comfortable. Is it like this or is your heart posture? God, I want to receive from you. I want to listen to your voice. God, I need you. I want your seed to get planted in me. I want the good news to get deeper in me. That's an open soil. That's an open posture. Is that the posture where we say, God, I want want what you say. Whatever you say, I want that. I'm open to you. I need you. God is saying, open your heart to me. That's a scary thing to say to somebody, but God is saying, trust me. Open your heart to me. I want to go. I want to. I want what I have to say to be planted deep inside of you, not shallow, not in a way that's going to get taken. I want what I say to get all the way in. But where's your heart? Is your heart open soil? Is it receptive soil? Is it another way we could even say this? Is is it humble? Where you are coming in need to receive. That's the first thing. Does that describe our hearts? And then the second thing is, he says that it's the heart that is good and open, and then it's the heart that holds on and endures. See, we know that, we know that difficulty in life is going to come. We know there's going to be ups and downs in life. We know that there's going to be testing in life. We know there's going to be temptation and, and even the devil trying to work to distract us. We know that there's gonna be pleasures and different things in life that can crowd Jesus out. We know that that is going to happen. We know that. But God doesn't want spurts of excitement for us. He wants us to have an open heart. And then I guess you could even say it like this. He wants us to be open. And then he wants us to be closed. He wants us to be open to receive what he has for us. And then he wants us to hold on to to say, I'm not letting this go. I am going to keep your word inside of me. It is to fight to hold on to what God does in your heart. It is to fight to hold on to the word that he speaks inside of you. It is to receive it openly and then close it so that the seed can grow, so that it's protected. And you are saying, God, I want what you say in my heart. I know Trials and temptations and entanglements are going to come, but I am going to hold on. I am going to keep what you say here. This will grow in me. When we had that freak snow day in September, we covered our garden very ghettoly, but we covered our garden with a tarp and a table and our patio furniture and blankets and all sorts of stuff. Because we were saying we know that stuff can come in and kill the seed. We know that stuff can come in and wither and destroy what God is growing. And we must hold on to it. We must protect it. We must close so that it stays, that the growth that's happening stays. This is what Jesus says an open heart and then really a closed heart. A closed heart that says, God, you've spoken, I've taken that in, and now I know so many things are gonna try to pull me away, but I'm committing. Really, a closed heart or holding on is a posture, a daily commitment. A daily commitment. That's what the endurance is. A daily commitment to say, this is where Jesus even says, daily pick up your cross and follow me. A daily commitment to say, Jesus, I'm keeping your word in my heart. Jesus, You've spoken to me and I will daily obey you. I surrender to you. I am committed to you. I will continue to listen to you. I want your word down here and I want to be changed by you. I want to confess when part of how we keep God's word there is confessing when we wander away from it. And we're saying, I don't just want this to be an experience. I'm going to hold on to it through obedience, through surrender, through repentance, through bringing every area of my life in line with what you say. I'm, ho- I'm closing in on the word that you've spoken to me daily so that I endure and persevere. God doesn't want a shallow, a temporary, a weak, a diluted, choked-out faith for us. God wants to do things in our life, and he wants us to experience a deep, lasting growth and change, not momentary, not fleeting, not fledgling. And what happens when we receive the life that God has for us? What happens when we have an open heart and receive God's gospel into our heart and we hold on to it and keep it there through commitment and surrender and repentance? What happens? See, let's just go back to the beginning. God sees our life. God sees each of us and he sees in some sense a barrenness. God sees our life and in some sense sees emptiness. Maybe as a whole, or maybe just certain areas of our life, relationally and emotionally. And, and, and we maybe feel some of those too. We feel there's areas that are just empty right now. There's areas where I know I need growth. There's areas where I, my, my marriage might feel like this. My parenting might feel like this. My, my purpose in life might feel like this. My connection with God might feel like this, where it just feels like it needs growth. It feels empty in some sense. God looks at our life and he sees the barrenness and he says, I'm a sower. What's a sower? There's someone that gives their seed and brings life where there's not life. He says, I'm a sower. I want to bring life to you. He looks at each of us and says, there's more that's available. You might see an empty field and God sees an abundant harvest. You might see something that can't be changed and God sees, if I put my life inside of there, your life changes. He says, I see barrenness, I see emptiness and I can bring life here. I can grow something here. I can do something here. The seed is the gospel. It's the good news of what Jesus has done for us, of who Jesus is and he says, when that comes into your life, when you get to see who I am and how I've loved you and how I've saved you, when that gets inside of you, life will come. Something different can happen. And what he says is this, it will produce fruit. When the seed gets in and it stays and it's in an open soil and a closed soil, it produces fruit something actually happens. Where there's an empty field, instead there's a harvest. This is our garden. It produces a harvest. It produces abundance. It produces what the Bible calls the fruit or the vegetables of the Spirit. It produces the The fruit of the Spirit sounds better, right? It's like, oh, the vegetables of the Spirit? I don't really want that. God knew what he was doing when he was communicating, right? But the fruit, it produces the fruit of the Spirit. When God's seed gets inside of us in an open heart, in open soil, in closed soil where we hold on to it, what happens is love. What happens is joy. What happens is peace. What happens is patience and kindness and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control, and probably all the ways that we say we want to grow are encapsulated in some of those statements. God says, "I, I I see a lack of joy, but I can produce it. I see a lack of peace, but I can grow it. I see a lack of patience with people, but I can put that there. I see a lack of gentleness, but as as my seed of how gentle I've been towards you, the the word of God, the seed, as you see again, how gentle and kind I've been to you in sending my son to you in dying on the cross for your sin and forgiving you and bring, as that seed gets in, in an open heart, it grows kindness out of you. You see, fruit is meant, fruit changes us, but fruit or vegetables are meant to bless others as well. God does something in us, and just like we talked about last week, he does something in us, for us, so that it can come from us. God wants to grow here a harvest of fruit. He wants us to be fruit trees. Not just so we have pretty fruit, but so we are a blessing to others. If you become a loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, gentle, good, faithful, self-controlled person, that's good for you. And it's a blessing to those around you. It's a blessing to those in the family of God and those that do not yet know Jesus. We, we want to grow. We want to grow, right? I mean, don't you want the fruit of the Spirit in your life? I do more and more. We want to grow. We want to change. And, and Jesus says, listen, there's a lot of dangers. There's a lot of dangers. It can be taken. It can be tested. And it can be tangled. But it can also plant deep. You can grow. God can bring life where there is emptiness. God wants to let his good news get inside of you. His gospel get deeply inside of you and grow into a harvest, into an abundance. Here's what this means. It means for us as we are about to take communion that as we take communion, confess your sin. Where there's sin in your life, where, and listen, confess if you find yourself, if the Holy Spirit has convicted you today and pointed out, this is you. Jesus is talking about you here. You've been tangled. You've been tested. The seed's been taken from your hard heart. Confess. Confess. And then come with an open heart. Come with an open heart and receive God's word today and going forward. And hold on to it. Which means... Those areas, and I don't know what those are for you, but those areas where maybe the seed is in danger of, yeah, you received it, but it's hard to hang on to. Jesus is saying, open your heart and I'll close your heart. Let what I say get in there and let what I say stay there. Close it. Don't let anything else. Surrender to me. Surrender to me. Trust me. When we take communion, we're remembering We're remembering this good news, this gospel, this seed. And Jesus even uses the seed language about himself. He says that unless a seed falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it falls into the earth and dies, then it produces fruit. And he's speaking of himself there. See, God sent Jesus to this earth. Jesus is the seed ultimately coming from God that came to this earth. Not just from the hand of a sower, but from heaven fell to earth. To come, to die, to bring life to us so that we may be changed and bring life to others. We're gonna take communion. If you didn't grab one of those little cups, make sure to, I think they're on the table outside, you can grab one of those. I just want you to take a couple minutes. Confess, pray, ask God to speak to you. Confess if your heart hasn't been opened Ask God to open your heart even more. Confess if there's areas you haven't held on to. And let, let his seed, let the good news get deeper into your heart. I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then would you just take a minute or so and pray in your seats. You can also use this opportunity to take a next step. Maybe that's to hold on to the word by joining a community group or committing yourself to his family here through serving, giving, or checking it out and coming to the, the meetup after this. I, I don't know what it is for you, but you can use this time also to take a next step. You can do it on your phone or, or just think through those things. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that though we don't deserve it, Jesus, you came to this earth and you died for us to forgive us. You died to bring us into your family. You died to change us, to make us a new creation, to move us from death to life, from emptiness to fruitfulness. I pray even as we sing and as we receive communion that our hearts would be open to you and we would receive your good news. Amen. Amen.